2 Kings 7, starting at verse 3. I'm just going to read one verse. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we waiting here until we die? Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, speak to us mightily by the power of your word and spirit. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now what's happening in this passage? In this passage of scripture, we're in Samaria. Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel, and they were in a time of great crisis. There was a famine in the land. Why was there a famine in the land? Because the Syrian army had decided to besiege Samaria and surrounded the city so that nothing could go into the city and nothing could come out of the city. The people of Samaria saw the opposition against them and what they did was they shut up the gates of their city so that no enemy could come in. This is how we tend to respond when we feel opposition against our lives. We shut up the gates of our city so that nothing could come in and nothing can go out. If you feel criticized in your marriage, you shut up the gates of your city so that your spouse can't get to you. If you feel opposition in your job, you shut up the gates of your city so that nobody at your job can get to you. If you feel opposition from your friends, you tend to shut up the gates of your city so that none of them can get to you. If you've disappeared from church for a while, it's probably because you've shut up the gates of your city. When you start to feel like, I can't allow anything in because if somebody comes in or if anything comes in, it's going to destroy me. The Syrians are outside of my city, so I've got to shut up the gates of my city to keep the enemy out. The problem is when you shut up the gates of your city to keep the enemy out, you also keep the nutrients out. You also keep the sustenance out. The nutrition has to come into your city. The sustenance has to come into your city. The provision has to come into your city. And some of you have lacked provision from the Lord and have been living in a state of famine simply because you've shut up the gates of your city because there's an enemy on the outside. Now, remember, this message is not for everybody. So if this doesn't relate to you, just it's for somebody else. Just I I give you permission to just let this word pass right by you because for some of you, it's just not for you. But but for some of you, you've shut up the gates of your city because there's an enemy on the outside of your city. Now, the whole reason for the opposition of the enemy was because of this prophet by the name of Elisha. He was a thorn in the side of the king of Syria, and he was trying to destroy the nation of Israel to get to one prophet, simply so he could destroy one prophet of God who had been prophesying against him. Now, the prophet of the Lord is sitting in his house, and the king decides that the whole calamity is the prophet's fault. The king decides to blame God for the calamity. How many times have I seen people who have shut themselves up in their city then blame God for their calamity? Blame God for this situation. If I hadn't tried to serve the Lord, I wouldn't be going through this. If I had not trusted in the Lord, I wouldn't be going through this. If God is so powerful and if he's so mighty, why is he allowing this calamity to come against me? And so the king decided to do himself a favor and get rid of the prophetic voice from his life. He decided he's going to silence the prophetic voice so that God can't speak to him anymore. Now he's going to shut up the gates of his own heart and soul. He's going to tell God to get lost. And so he sends an executioner to go to the prophet Elisha's house and put him to death. And he's following behind the executioner because he wants to get there just in time to see his head being separated from his body. Elisha, the prophet, discerns by the word of the Lord that calamity is coming. And when the king and his attendant and executioner enter into his house, Elisha turns and looks at the king and says, I've got a word from the Lord for you. One more word. In other words, if this word don't work, put me to death tomorrow. But here's the word of the Lord. By tomorrow at about this time, eight gallons of flour are going to sell for one shekel. Let me tell you why that's significant. Because at that time, the famine was so bad that a donkey's head was selling for five shekels. I want you to understand that the donkey's head was the lowest and most miserly form of sustenance. 
but five shekels was what you would pay for a three-star Michelin meal. So the economy was so bad that the lowest form of provision was selling for the highest level of value. Five shekels for a donkey's head. The prophet said within 24 hours, eight gallons of flour, which is enough to feed your, make bread for your whole family and your whole neighborhood, is going to sell for one shekel. It's like McDonald's. And the king's attendant says, would this be possible even if God were to open up the windows of heaven? And the prophet says, it's not only possible it's going to happen, but you're going to see it with your eyes. You're not going to eat any of it. It's interesting that unbelief will keep you out of the blessing. So the stage is set. Let's see if this man is a prophet or not. Let's see if the Lord has spoken by this person or not. Have you ever heard a prophetic word and in your heart thought, well, let's see if that comes to pass. Yeah. You ever heard a prophetic word about your own life and yeah. thought, well, let's see if that comes to pass. Yeah. It's interesting that when we see, when we hear prophetic words, we tend to think of ourselves as, as passive observers. Huh. Okay, let's see if God does that. Yeah. All right, let's see. Okay, let's see. Now, that same night, there's four men who are sitting outside of the entrance of the gate. And there's this in-between area between the gate and the wall. It was safe because it was inside the wall, but it was outside the city because it was outside of the gate. It was in this in-between place. You're neither in the enemy's territory, nor are you in the city of the Lord. And these four men are outside of the gate of the city because they have leprosy, which is a disease that causes the very members of your flesh and bone to rot. And it's also a highly contagious disease. So they're outside of the city because they're leprous, which means they've lost everything. They are perfectly positioned to be used by God because they have lost everything. Yes. Perfectly positioned to be the vehicles through which God brings about a reversal for the whole people wow. because they have lost wow. everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want you to think differently about loss. Yeah, 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 yeah. Loss prepares you for something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because some of you are sitting here in 2020 hoping that God restores that which you lost in 2019 and in previous years, not realizing that actually the things that you lost have prepared you to participate with God in something that's much bigger than you. Loss is the means by which God qualifies you to be an agent of revival. Not just for yourself, but for others. And the reason that is the case is because when you have lost everything and you have nothing to lose, a particular kind of logic becomes accessible to your mind that was not accessible before. Look at the logic of the people inside the city. Close the gates and don't open them at all costs. I ain't going outside the city, but don't you know that if you stay in the city, you're just going to die? Yes, but I'd rather die sitting in this city doing nothing than die going outside of the city and trying something. That's not the logic of the four lepers. Listen to the question. Why? Sit here until we die. Why? You ever ask that question? Why am I just sitting here? Yeah. Why just sit here and just wait to die? What kind of life is that? Yeah. We have options. Yeah. See, this is the thing. When you've lost everything, you become aware of options yeah. that don't seem like options yeah. before yeah. you've lost. If you ask in the city, what are your options? We have no options. We just have to sit here and die. But if you have to ask the lepers, oh, we've got three options. (laughs) One, sit here till we die. That's not a good option. Two, go back into the city. Well, there's nothing there but the famine. Three, go into the enemy's camp. Maybe they kill us or maybe they let us live. At least there's a chance. Nothing's guaranteed. 
But the only option in which we have a chance of even surviving is the most dangerous of the three yeah, options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it interesting? That the only option that prevents us, that presents us with a chance of life is the one that has the greatest risk of death. Yeah, 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 yeah. The three lepers were risk takers. Yeah. The three lepers were able to be agents of God because they were willing to take a great risk. And the reason they were willing to take a great risk is because they had already lost everything anyway. I'm sorry, the four lepers. Loss had empowered them to be willing to take a great risk. Let me tell you what a risk is. The definition of a risk. First of all, a risk requires you to break a rule. Wow. Taking a risk means doing something you're not supposed to do. Hmm. They said, we've got three options and two of them require us to break a rule. We could go into the city, but we're not supposed to because yeah. we have leprosy. Mm -hmm. But that's an option. Yeah. When you've lost everything, you don't care about the rules. That's an option. Or we could go into the enemy's camp where we're not supposed to go, yeah. but it's still an option. Yeah. It doesn't seem like an option if you're obedient to the status quo. Wow. And the status quo is simply the list of rules designed to keep you at your current level. The status quo is the list of rules designed to keep you at your current level. Yeah. To keep you thinking the way you have always thought so that you do what you have always done so that you will always have what you have had. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Never willing to take a risk. Why? Because you're not supposed to. Uh -huh. And the reason that the second component of a risk is not only breaking a rule, but subjecting yourself to the possibility of punishment. Yeah. You're not supposed to, and therefore, if you do it, you can be punished. If you go into the city, you're going to be punished. What you doing in the city? You know you're not supposed to be here. Yep. Risk takers are willing to go to the place where they're not supposed to be to do the thing that they're not supposed to do. Because until you are willing to go where you're not supposed to be and do what you're not supposed to do, you will never have what you are supposed to have. They were willing to run the risk of punishment. Yeah. If we go to the Syrian camp, they may let us live. But if they don't, we shall only die. Mm -hmm. Do you hear that language? Yeah. I, I want to read it to you because I didn't make that language up. It came right out of the text. Mm -hmm. What verse is that, Mama? Um, four yeah, verse four, the end of verse four. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. Yeah. What's, what's, what are we risking? I mean, death? So? We shall only die. You talk to people in the city. If we go out there, we're going to die. Yeah, but if you stay in here, you're going to die too. Yeah. But the lepers who had lost everything. Death, please. Yeah. We shall only die. Some of you have experienced sub, such deep depression yeah. that you've wanted to die. Yeah. Yeah. You've come to a place where you said, you know what? I've got no more strength to live. And maybe some of you have contemplated suicide. Some of you have not contemplated suicide. You've simply fantasized about some accidental death yeah. that might take you out of here. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if I walked out and a car just hit me out of nowhere, just took me out? Wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't that be wonderful? I think it would be better for everybody. Can I say something to you? Have you come to the, and remember this word's not for everybody. It's only for a few of you. But if you're one of those three or four people who have come to the place where you've lost the will to live, where you started fantasizing about your own death, can I say something to you? It's good. It's good. It's great. It's great. My only counsel to you is make a decision 
that if you're going to die, don't die just sitting there. Good. You're ready to die. You don't mind dying. Great. Take a risk. Die in the process of taking a risk for God. You're at the place where you don't mind if you die. Good. Now you're ready to take a risk. Now you have overcome fear. Now you're not afraid of losing anything. Now you can actually live boldly because you're no longer afraid of dying. Pastor Yuri Cho, who's running the honor honor summit that we're doing with her in February. She was, I think, in her early 20s, maybe 21, 20 years, 22 years old, and she was literally dying. The systems of her body were shutting down one by one, and there was nothing the doctors could do about it because they didn't know what was killing her. They ran every test they could find, and they couldn't find the one to diagnose her properly. They sent her home to die in her home. She's laying in bed with no strength in her body, just taking pain medication, waiting for death to come, and her pastor called her on the phone and said, Yuri, come on, let's go to the mission field. We're going to do some work for Jesus. She said, I can't do it, pastor. He said, why not? She said, because I'm dying. He said, good, come die for Jesus. He said, think about it. You're going to die anyway. You want to just lay there and die, die in your bed? Or do you want to die telling somebody about Jesus? If you're going to die, good, come die on the mission field. I don't know about you, but when I breathe my last breath, I want to be telling somebody about Jesus. I want to be in the act of taking a risk for my Lord. She said, you know what? You're right. Let's go. Let's go. I'm going to go die on the mission field. She told her family, bye. I'm going to die for Jesus. If I'm going to die, I'm not going to die laying down. I'm not going to die sitting in the gate. I'm not going to die just sitting here feeling sorry for myself, telling myself how bad my life is and how messed up stuff. I'm going to die doing something. And she got on that plane and she flew down to Mexico. And the moment she got off the plane, the Lord completely healed her. Isn't that crazy? Sometimes all God is waiting for you to do is to step up and say, I'm ready to take the right risk. Yes. Yes. 2020, for the three or four of you for whom this word is for, <laughs> is the year in which you're going to take the right risk. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the year in which you are going to take the right risk risk. You're going to venture out of the city that you have been walled up in, that you have been, you've been locked up inside of your own city, but God is calling you to come out of that city and take the right risk. And I know the Syrians are surrounding your city and I know that the threat of death is all around you. But in 2020, God is calling you to boldly come out of the city and say, if I die, I die, but I got to get out of this city. I'm not going to die sitting by the gate of the city. I'm going to die taking a risk, doing something. I've been sitting for years just singing blessed assurance. You've been sitting on your blessed assurance. Singing Jesus is mine. To move with God, you must be willing to take the right risk. So they said, let's have a council. Let's, Let's consider our three possibilities here. If we go into the city, the famine is there and we die. If we stay here, we die. If we go into the enemy's camp, they may let us live, small chance, or they may kill us and we only die. The only option in which there's a chance of life is the one outside of the city. To the three or four of you that this word is for, The only chance of life is outside of your city that you've locked yourself up in. And you've locked yourself up in it because you feel unsafe. I don't want nobody to see me. I don't want nobody to know me. I don't want anybody to see what I've been going through. I just lock myself up in my city. The only chance of life is outside of your city. The only chance of life is letting some people in. The only chance of life is running the risk. And so they say, let's go. Forget it. Trick it. Yeah. They come out from behind the wall and they walk. They walk into the Syrian camp like this. We surrender. (laughs) We're ready to die. Knowing that 90 percent chance, 99 percent, we're about to die. But hey, at least we died taking a risk. Can I say I got to stay here because it's being videoed. (laughs) Can I say this to you? 
Some of you are waiting for confirmation from God before you take the risk. You're waiting for absolute certainty. I'm waiting for an angelic visitation. I've set a fleece before the Lord. I'm waiting for the fleece to, I, I have, I put another fleece before the Lord. I'm, I'm waiting for God to speak from heaven. I'm waiting for six angelic visitations and a prophetic dream. I'm waiting for it to be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Listen, when it comes to taking a great risk from God, you ain't got time for all that. These four lepers didn't get no angelic visitations. They didn't get no word from yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what's crazy. There had been a word from the Lord, but they were not aware of it. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. The prophet had spoken, but they were not aware of it. Yeah. God had already determined what he was going to do, and he had already determined that they were going to be a part of the story, wow. but they were not aware of it. And let me tell you that God in his wisdom and in his omniscience and in his sovereignty did not tell them. And the reason God doesn't tell you certain things is because he told you, if he told you what was coming, it would take away the need to walk in faith. Wow. Yeah, 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 because yeah, yeah. the essence of risk is faith. Faith. Yeah. Is about being willing to take a great yeah. risk. We talk all the time about walking by faith and not by sight, but you ain't risking nothing. Yeah. You're not walking by faith until you have stood up and made a decision to take a great risk yeah. for God. Yeah. And if God told you, here's what's going to happen, yeah. you wouldn't need any faith. Yeah. No, I want confirmation from the Lord. Transformation. Uh, translation. I don't want to have to do this by faith. I want to do this by sight. So I need to know. I just need to know that God is leading me. Wow. They were like, we don't know if it's God or not. If it's not God, we're going to die. Yeah. It might not be God. You got to get that in your heart and mind. It might not be God. The worst thing you can do is step out and take a risk, but just just. Just assert, no, this is God. I know it's God. It's God. It's God. It's 100% God. And everybody around you says, it's not God. No, it's God. It's God. It's God. It's God. I know it's God. And then you die. Ah, I thought it was God. <laughs> Remember the, the three Hebrew boys? Three Hebrew boys? Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not bowing down before your statues. I'm going to throw you into my furnace. Go ahead. Our God's going to deliver us. But even if he doesn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, we think he will. Yeah. We're pretty sure. <laughs> he hasn't appeared to us in a vision and told us he's going to deliver us. We just trust him. Yeah. But even if he doesn't, even if it's his will for us to die in that fiery furnace, it doesn't change the fact that we're taking the risk of standing up and saying we're not bowing down. Faith always requires you to venture into the realm of the maybe. Yeah. It doesn't mean that when I step out there, I'm absolutely sure it's God. Sometimes it's not. Yep. Can I say to you, some of y'all are going to take some risks in 2020 that God has nothing to do with. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope you do. Because it means you're trying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Here is the assurance. That even when I step out and it's not God, God's going to correct and bring me right back to where I need to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean I'm going to be ever 100% sure this is God. And sometimes God's like, first three steps, yep. Fourth one, nope. And here's what the Lord does. Come, come back to this third step. And then he... Meaning that if your heart desires to do the will of God more than anything, God will not easily let you out of his will. It's not like you take a step of faith and then God said, that wasn't me. <laughs> Kill him. <laughs> I remember when just a few weeks ago, when I started to sense that God was moving us to El Cerrito. All kind of fear started coming up in my heart. And so I approached it the way I approach conversations with my wife. I knew I had to call all the elders and trustees of Living Hope and, you know, run this by them before I made a decision. I needed to hear from all of the elders and trustees and see what God had put in their heart. And so when I called the elders and trustees, I called them the way, the way I have conversations with my wife, you know, like I'll, I'll say to my wife, you know, hey, baby, you know, I was thinking about, you know, the possibility <laughs> of maybe perhaps <laughs> playing golf tomorrow morning. <laughs> and, if, and how she responds next determines. Yeah. So she's like, 
what? But I thought tomorrow we, I was like, you know, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It was just a thought. I wasn't a decision. I was just, you know, but I, you're right. You're totally right. That's a dumb idea. I don't know what I was thinking. I just, yeah, it wasn't the Lord, you know. You know, baby, I was thinking about, you know, maybe the possibility of, you know, maybe we can kind of look at cars, you know, maybe we can buy a new car. What do you think? Nah. No. Yeah, I, I wasn't actually thinking about that. I was just, <laughs> it was just kind of a fleeting thought. It wasn't like a, it's not even a deep desire or anything. It's just an idea, just a crazy idea, right? And, and, and the reason I approached that, you know, the reason you, you know, if all the husbands in the room are like real quiet. The women are laughing, but the husbands are like, you're hitting too close to home, preacher. Hey, I thought I was the only, you just told our secret. <laughs> the reason we do that is because, you know, we, we're afraid of rejection. Oh, see, it got real quiet after that. Husbands are like, I ain't afraid of rejection. Yes, you are. We're, 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 we're already anticipating opposition. We go into conversations like that, like this. I surrender. <laughs> Like we're approaching the Syrian camp. Baby, can we talk? Ninety nine percent. I'm going to die. <laughs> and I'm ready. <laughs> right. So I called the elders. The first elder I called, I was, was Elder Jerry Pack. I was like, uh, Mr. Pack. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I had this, you know, sense that could may or may not be the Lord, you know, <laughs> That perhaps, maybe, God might be at some point, maybe not now, <laughs> moving us to El Cerrito to occupy that space. He said, oh, praise the Lord. I've been praying the Lord would show you that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, I knew I'd heard from God. <laughs> the next elder I called was Chinway, Pastor Chinway. And I said, yeah, you know, so I was thinking that maybe, possibly, God might be. And she goes, man, Darrell has been telling me every day we need to tell PB that we need to move to El Cerrito. I was like, yes, that was the Lord. I knew I'd, I knew I'd heard from God. And each of the elders, I called Pastors Vern and Larry Ann. She said, oh, Pastor, we've been praying the Lord would show you that. I call Stephanie Pexone, one of our trustees, and she's like, Pastor, I'm so thankful you're growing. You're opening your heart to hear new things from God. And all of the elders, all of the trustees were like, yes, 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 no opposition. So then I thought, now I'm going to call the ministry directors one by one. Surely there's going to be some opposition there. And I called them one by one and they're like, oh, praise the Lord. Oh, thank the Lord. Oh, I've been asking God. for. Oh, thank the Lord. Oh, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. And I realized by the end of it that I was the last one to hear from God. <laughs> that they had already heard God. Yeah. That they were already there. I was the last one. Yeah. Isn't it funny how fear of opposition, fear of resistance, yeah. can stop you from moving in an obvious direction? Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's not till you've lost everything yeah. to where you can see what's obvious. Yeah. It's right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Here come the four lepers into the enemy's camp. Syrians! It's us, the four lepers. We surrender. We know you're probably going to kill us, but we hope you don't. Because we'd like to live. <laughs> Syrians. They're walking through the camp like this. Syrians. Hello, Syrians. I expected opposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's no opposition. Yeah, come on. I was so afraid to take the risk because I thought I, I was probably going to die. 99% chance I'm going to die, but there's not even an arrow. There's not even a sword. Yeah. There's not even a spear. Yeah, yeah. There's not even a club. There's no pepper spray. <laughs> there's not even a harsh word. Yeah. There's no opposition. Matter of fact, this camp seems empty. They don't believe it for a while. They're still walking through the camp with their hands raised. Ain't nobody there, but they're still, we surrender. Yeah, yeah. What's going on? Are they all using the bathroom or somewhere? The Syrians at? Did they go on vacation? And they look around the camp and all the tents are open 
and the campfires are going and food is cooking and their clothes and their spears and swords are laying there. And they're like, what is going on? Finally, somebody puts their hands down. You know, you're beginning to believe in the provision of the, of the Lord at the place where you put your hands down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you stop apologizing. Where you stop worrying about what people think. Where you stop, you know, easing your way into it. All of the sudden they realized yeah. the Syrians are gone. Yeah. And there's food yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Free food. They look at each other, their eyes are as big as saucers, and they run into a tent and there's a table set up and it's full of food. Yeah. They sit at the table, they got, they're eating with two hands, they're yeah. drinking wine, they're eating, they're belching and farting and having a good old time. Yeah. And now that their bellies are full, they look around and they see the gold and the silver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they start snatching up gold and silver and yeah. grabbing purses and necklaces and rings and and jewels and treasure boxes and they run back to the in between the city and they start burying holes and and like burying stuff. Yeah. Hiding stuff in the ground. And then they run into another tent. <laughs> right? They spend hours plundering just four men. Isn't it yeah. interesting the whole city is starving? Yeah. 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 But the risk takers are eating. Wow. The risk takers are always the first to eat. Wow, yeah. I told you it's only for three or four of you here. But if you're in that three or four, you're going to be the first to eat. The risk takers are the first to eat, and the risk takers are the first to get the silver and the gold. Why? Because the risk takers are the ones who discover the victory that God already won before they even got there. Yeah, yeah. The scripture says that the Syrian army began to hear the noise of chariots and horsemen and concluded that the Israelites had hired the Egyptians to come help them and they ran for their lives to get away from an army that did not even exist. The Lord cleared out the camp before they even got there. Yeah, yeah. Meaning the miracle had already transpired. The enemy had already been driven away. The provision had already been made, but nobody knew about it because everybody was still shut up inside their, their city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the four risk takers were the ones who discovered that the Lord had cleared the camp of the enemy. Yeah, yeah, and this yeah. is the word of the Lord for you in 2020, that when you get to the enemy's camp, you're going to find it empty. Yeah. God's already driven away the opposition. He's already paved the way. He's already made the provision, but you will never discover it as long as you stay locked up in the walls of your city. Safety is the greatest enemy of your destiny in 2020. Wow. I just need to feel safe. No, you don't. You need the provision of the Lord. You're going to stay safe until you die or are you going to move into your destiny? But I just need to, I just need to know that I just need to, I just need to feel safe. <laughs> Forget your safety. Yeah. You have a choice, your safety or your destiny. Yeah. Amen. You need to tell your safety, you know what, safety, I'm sorry, but I'm not going with you. I've been moving with safety. Now I'm moving with God. It's at the place where God becomes your safety, yes. where you're willing to take a great risk. Yes, yes, amen. Hallelujah. After a few hours, they said, this is wrong. Yeah. We're not yeah. doing right. Yeah. This is the day of good news. Everybody else is starving inside the camp and here we are feasting. This yeah. is wrong. Yeah. If we wait till morning, punishment's gonna come wow. upon us. Wow. We're gonna be punished. You need to hear this now, risk takers, yeah. all four of you. Yeah. When you take the risk that God sets out for you and you break through into a new place of blessing, you better not keep it to yourself. Yeah, 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 that's right. You better not be quiet about it. The whole city starving. Some of you are the first person in your family who's received Jesus as Lord and Savior and had your life radically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
you're feasting in the camp while the rest of your family's inside the city starving. You yeah. better not be silent about it anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. You better go back to the city and tell your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The risk takers, yeah. they go back to the wall. Yeah. In the middle of the night, they call, they call out. Once again, something that they're not supposed to do. Yes. Don't be making no noise. Yeah. It's probably two o'clock in the morning. You wake up the kids. <laughs> Don't be coming and screaming. What's that proverb that says, if you, if you bless your friend in a loud voice very early in the morning, yeah. it will be taken as a curse. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine two o'clock in the morning, you're standing outside your friend's house. Chevy, I bless you, brother. I bless you in the name of the Lord. People start throwing eggs at you. <laughs> These four lepers realized they had to break another rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to break the rule of silence. Wow. They had to break the rule in order to get the good news wow. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said, this is a day of good news. Isn't it funny that the word gospel is translated good news? Yeah. This whole story is about the gospel. And they run to the wall and they wake up the keepers of the wall and they say, you better tell the king's household that the Syrian camp is empty and it's full of food. We've been eating and drinking for the last three hours. Y'all better get out here because you don't have to stay in your city and starve anymore. Yeah, There's yeah, provision yeah, in the yeah, enemy's yeah, camp. Yeah, yeah. Everybody now needs to make a decision to go into the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from you. You're in the walls of your city, but what he stole from you is waiting for you in the camp. Yeah. Wake up! Yeah. I know it's the middle of the night, but you're sleeping and, and you're going to sleep till you die. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so they go wake up the king. Yeah. Say, uh, king, there's four lepers. Lepers? What do I want to hear from lepers for? Yeah. Be careful how you judge people. Wow. Yes, yes. Be careful what you think about people. Yeah, yeah. Because God will use people you don't think nothing about. Yeah, yeah. Think about this. Go back to the 90s and, and go to any high school. Go to the high school and look at those nerds <laughs> that nobody thought nothing about. Everybody thought they were just nerds. and they, Yeah, and now they're Microsoft billionaires yeah. and Bitcoin billionaires yeah. and every other kind of billionaire yeah. you possibly. Nobody thinks nothing about them now. Yeah. You got to be careful how you judge people in your heart by what you see yeah. on the outside. Yeah. You have no idea that that person that you think nothing about could be the risk taker that discovers yeah. the next level of blessing from God yeah. that feeds an entire city. Yeah. 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 And be careful how you judge yourself. Because wow. some of you think so lowly of yourself. You think God couldn't use you for anything. You yeah. think you're not worth anything. Yeah. You think you don't have the gifts that so-and-so has yeah. and so-and-so has. But understand that in this passage of scripture, God didn't use the people with the gifts. The gift was having nothing. The gift was having lost everything. And some of you, the gift that God has given you is the gift of loss. Because everything you've lost has qualified you to be willing to go where nobody else is willing to go. To take what nobody else is willing to take. Too many of y'all are shouting, this message is only for three or four of you. The word of the prophet was fulfilled because of four lepers who were willing to take a risk. Wow. Yes. And when the king heard the news, listen to what the king said. He said, let me tell you what the Syrians have done. They know we're hungry. So they just went right outside of their camp and they're hiding behind bushes. And as soon as we come out and start eating, they're going to come upon us with swords and they're going to kill us all. And they're going to get into our city and they're going to destroy all of us. When you're living in that place of safety, even when God moves on your behalf, wow. you still don't believe it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't believe it. I remember my wife and I visited uh, 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 an island in Indonesia and uh, we decided that Living Hope we were going to build a church for a home for a homeless family. And we asked one of the pastors, is there a family in your congregation that needs a home? He says, yes, there's a woman who has five children and her husband abandoned them. And uh, they live in this little stick hut. And when it rains, they just get soaked. And she, she has a little farm where she makes pig food and she just makes a couple of dollars a month. 
And so we went to see this woman, and, and it was, what he said was exactly right. The woman was my wife's age, or maybe even younger, but she looked like she was in her 60s. Yeah. She worked like 14-hour days, seven days a week. Yeah. And she lived in this little stick hut. And we told her, we're going to build you a new home for you and your sons. And she went, okay. You could see the look on her face. She didn't believe it. Yeah. We didn't blame her for not believing it. But she absolutely didn't believe it. Okay. Until we came back and the home was built, after we hired the contractor and had it designed and built her home, she was trembling with thanksgiving when we walked yeah. in there. Thank yeah. you so much. It was just, oh, she was in tears. She, couldn't, she could not believe it. Yeah. God has a blessing for you in 2020 that would make your ears tingle if you heard yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. A blessing that you wouldn't believe. God says prepare your heart and mind for the unbelievable blessing. Wow. Prepare your heart and mind for the unbelievable breakthrough. Yes. Prepare your heart and mind for the breakthrough that doesn't seem real. Yeah. Don't be like the attendant yeah. on the king's arm who said, if God opened the windows of heaven, could that possibly be? You better get your mind out of that gutter of unbelief and fear. You better get your mind out of that walled up city of unbelief where you don't believe it. Prepare yeah. your heart and mind to hear and believe the word of the Lord because God is going to do something in 2020 that goes beyond your expectation. Yeah. It goes beyond your calculus. Beyond your, your economics, beyond what your mathematics can, can prescribe for yourself, God has an exponential, God is bringing about a change in the economy of your life. Wow, amen. The things that used to be expensive are now going to be cheap. Wow. Yeah. Mm. That's a word for three or four of you. Don't get too excited if it ain't you. The king says, we're going to test this. Yeah. He gets some charioteers, just a few of them in a chariot. Yeah. He says, I'll tell you what's going to happen. We're going to sit out these people in chariots and they're going to chase the enemy. They're going to go after the enemy. We just need to see where they are. Yeah. And if they go out and the enemy kills them, they die. Oh, well. Yeah. The rest of us stay safe inside this wall. Yeah. And he sends out these people in chariots and they pursue the enemy as far as for hours. And yeah. you know what they find? On the side of the road, they find their armor and weapons and clothing and cloaks. Literally, the enemy was in such a hurry to get out of Dodge to lighten their loads so they could run faster. They, they just stripped naked. Yeah. Can you imagine the enemy that you were scared of yeah. is running away butt naked, screaming yeah. in fear for yeah. their lives? Yeah. 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 The thing that you fear actually fears you more. Yeah. And now the announcement is made. The gates of the city are open. And the people plunder the tents of the Syrians. Yeah. And the unbelieving attendant of the king is trampled in the gate. If you walk in unbelief in 2020, you're going to get trampled by the people who are walking in faith. Wow. And guess what happens? Before the day is over, people are selling eight pounds of flour for one shekel and 16 pounds of barley for one shekel. They went from scarcity to abundance in one night because of four risk takers. An entire city went from scarcity to abundance in yeah. one night yeah. because yeah. of four risk takers. Yes. There's three or four of you in this room right now who are the risk takers we've been waiting for. Yeah. You are going to be the breakers who go before us. Yes. You're going to break into new territory. Yeah. You're going to open new doors. Some of you are going to be financial risk takers that yeah. break into a new level of financial abundance. Yeah that's going to bring about a harvest for the kingdom of God. Yes. Some of you are entrepreneurial yeah. risk takers. Yeah. Some of you are creative risk takers. Yes. Some of you are kingdom risk takers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'll end with this. He probably wouldn't like me to tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. As somebody, Ben comes to the keyboard. Chris Wong back there. You see that guy back there? A couple months ago, my wife and I went to visit he and Christine at their house to see their new beautiful baby girl, Noe. 
And while we were there, something started burning on the inside of my heart. I hadn't known that Daniel had already seen this coming and had already begun talking to Chris about this. I found out later. But I just decided to pitch him. I said, Chris, I want you to consider coming to work and serve the house. I want you to consider quitting your job and coming to serve the house. And here's why. And I shared the whole vision of how, how, why we need him on the staff and how the Lord wants to use him. And I shared this pitch. I shared it in passion. I'm thinking in my heart, I don't even know if we can afford. We probably can't. I mean, <laughs> I might just be talking foolishness, but that was the risk that I felt the Lord calling me to take at that moment. Well, he starts praying and seeking the Lord, goes to lineage retreat. The Lord speaks to him at lineage retreat and says, I want you to quit your job and I want you to take the step that I'm calling you to take. He goes to work Monday, fully expecting to tender his resignation and to just walk away trusting the Lord. And guess what happens? They call him into the office. They lay him off and they give him severance pay. They laid off his whole team that day and everyone else is weeping. Everyone else is sorrowing. And he said, I had a hard time not laughing. I wanted to dance and shout because I knew that this was the risk that God was calling me to take. But when he got there to take that risk, he found God had already cleared the camp of the enemy. There's three or four more of you in this room that God's going to do that for this year. I'm serious when I say this word isn't for everybody. Some of you think it's for you, it's not. You know why I say that? Because some of you are so good at saying amen and ooh, praise the Lord, hallelujah, and you don't remember this. You're not going to remember this word tomorrow. But those of you for whom it's for, the three or four, you're going to treasure this in your heart. You're going to pray into this every day. You're actually going to act on it. Most of you are just saying amen. And it's great. I'm, I'm glad I need it because it helps me to really preach it. But you're not actually going to act on it. You're not actually even going to believe it. You think you believe it because you say amen. But there's a difference between saying amen and actually believing it. But just a few of you, you're going to believe it. You're going to cling to it. It's going to beat in your heart three months from now. You're still going to be clinging to that word. God, show me the right risk. And you're actually going to take the right risk this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of you are going to take a hasty risk because you you want this word to be for you so bad that you're going to try to make it for you. And the Lord will help you too. He'll bring you back into order. Jesus. You know what's going to happen? We're going to move with God by willing to take the right risk, by being willing and ready to take the right risk. Peter took the right risk when he said, Lord, if it's you, call me out on the water and I'll come. The Lord said, come. He took a risk while everybody else stayed on the boat. He took a risk. Do you know that the moment you surrendered your life to Jesus, You took a great risk. Do you know that lifeguards, when they see you drowning, they watch you drown for a while? Yeah. If a lifeguard sees you drowning, if you're a child, they jump jump in immediately. But if you're an adult, the bigger you are, the longer they wait. You know why? Because if they jump in immediately, you will try to pull them down. You will take them down and kill them too. So you know what they do? They wait until you've got no more strength until you're actually ready to surrender. They wait till you've lost everything. Yeah. And then they jump in and they're able to pull you to safety because you've got no more strength to fight. Some of you are at that place right now. You fought for your life for so long and now you've got no more strength. And you've wondered why the Lord has waited so long to jump into the waters. <laughs> yeah. Some of you, the Lord is just watching you fight and claw and fight and claw and fight. And do you know how hard it is to be a lifeguard and watch people fighting and clawing for their very life? Everything in you wants to jump in and save, but you know if I jump in now, I can't save you. You're, You're still trying to save yourself. 
You're still trying to fix your own situation. You know how hard it is to be a lifeguard who just watches and waits. It's 10 times harder for the Lord to watch you struggle. He wants to save you more than you want to be saved. But some of you are right at that place where you say, Lord, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to stop fighting. Yeah. I've lost all my strength. Yeah. I'm ready to take the risk of trusting you yeah. with all that I am. Bow your heads. You're here today. And the risk that you need to take, and you know it in your heart, is to trust Jesus for your salvation. And the only thing that has hindered you from taking that step, and every day before this one, is being afraid of what you're going to lose. Afraid of what it's going to cost you. Afraid of what you're going to have to change. Afraid of what you're going to have to walk away from, of what you're going to have to give up. But today the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart and you know that the risk that God is calling you to take is the risk of surrender. Surrender to Jesus. Nobody's looking around. Lift your hand if that's you. I want to pray for you today. You say, I'm ready to take that risk of surrender. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. I see you. I see you. Thank you for that hand. I see you. Thank you for that hand. I see you. You don't realize you didn't just lift your hand. You took a risk. And I know the enemy lies to you and says, what if you can't live this out? And what, what if you don't do a good job? And what if you mess it up? And what if you do the wrong things? That's why it's a risk, my friend. But are you willing to take it? Are you willing to come out of your city? Father, I thank you for each and every one of these who have lifted their hands, indicating their desire and their decision to surrender to you with all that they are and with all that they have. I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. I ask you, forgive me of my sin. Wash me, make me clean. I trust you with my life. I trust you for my salvation. Your way and not mine. Your will and not mine. Your will is better than mine. Your way is higher than mine. Teach me. Free me. I renounce every power of darkness every power of Satan, every power of disobedience, every power of bondage, every power of uncleanness. In Jesus' name, I command it to leave me. I belong to Jesus now. Lord Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to live for you with all of my heart and all of my life. I pray in your precious name. Amen.